Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, happy Valentine's Day. I am so glad you joined me today, and what a pleasure it is for me that the show actually airs on Valentine's Day. So I'm very excited about that because I have a show that I've done parts of this show before, but I really like the way that this um, this show maybe really represents this day and Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day we know is the day of love. And what Valentine's Day means to all of us, especially here in America, and it is a, probably the most celebrated of all the holidays through the whole entire year, even even Christmas. It, it many times can, can outdo Christmas because we are such a people of love, and love is so important to us. So this show is called I Want to Know What Love Is. And we know that love is really what everything is about and understanding how powerful love is. And we have so many biblical references for what love does what it has made, what it's made to do, what God first and foremost tells us is that love never fails. Now, I know when I say that, many of you, as well as myself, have had the feeling that love has failed me before and that there's a lot of pain in that. But what I want you to know is that the love that God is talking about never fails. Now, there is the possibility that humans on the other end of love fail to receive it, fail to take it in, fail to accept it. But the true act of love never fails. And the hardest part for us as humans is to know how to love and how to love well, to know what love, quote unquote, actually is. You see, it is so important that we know that love does not always feel good. Again, true love does not always feel good. The outcome of true love is always good, but the process doesn't always feel good. And the world is searching hard for love, marketing it, replacing it, selling it, explaining it, exploiting it, misrepresenting it. I mean, I could go on and on and on. But what really is this thing called love? So this show is entitled, I Want to Know What Love Is. And now I'm probably dating myself with some of the song choices that, that I wanted to look at, but, but they're so poignant for what we're talking about. We can only know what true love is when we go to the one who is love and where true love emanates from. See, God is love. He created it. He is it. Now, because he is, quote-unquote, all truth, we can find and actually experience, quote-unquote, true love through him. And so the reason this is so important to make this distinction between true love, it's different than just love. Because love many times is an, is an emotion. We certainly want love to be an action. But true love, love that is loving in truth, is a very different thing. 
See, we are taught and experience many things that are called love. But as we become healthier, more truth-based people, we find out what we might have originally considered love to be was in fact not. So we oftentimes confuse healthy, corrective, uncomfortable, painful love as abuse. And conversely, what feels so intense and pleasurable, we interpret as true love. So I'm going to say that one more time because it's really important that we understand this, that we often confuse healthy, corrective, sometimes uncomfortable, and sometimes painful love as abuse. And we confuse and we think that many times the intense and pleasurable love is the true love. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. True love has intense pleasure. Absolutely, true love has intense pleasure involved. But it has so much more if it's going to be considered true love. So what does the world say about love? Well, depending on context, love can be of different varieties. But at times, the very existence of love is questioned. Some say it's false and meaningless. Some say it's never ever existed because there are so many instances of hatred and brutality in relationships. The history of our world has witnessed many such events. I mean, there's, excuse me, hatred through brothers, with parents, with children, sibling rivalry, spouses have failed each other, friends have betrayed each other. The son killed his parents for the throne. There's countless and endless examples of what we would think true love was and how it failed. Even the modern generation is also facing this dilemma every day. But love is not responsible for that. It is us. It is the people who have forgotten the meaning of love and have undertaken such gruesome apathy. We are the ones that are responsible for love failing because we have a tendency to want love to be instantaneous, pleasurable, happy, joyful, fun, and easy. And that is not true love. There are a lot of those elements in true love. So I really like the last line of this author when he says, love's not responsible for gruesome apathy or violence. Whatever ugly you have seen in the world, love is not responsible for this. We are. This is because we are the people who have forsaken love with gruesome apathy. Now, this does not mean there is not a lot of high emotionality. So it's, it's imperative that we recognize that true love is so multifaceted and it is expressed in so many different ways. And if it's true love, it is very wide, it is very deep, and it extends out farther than we could ever imagine. And its longevity and its enduring quality is unparalleled. So we really want to understand what true love is. So I Googled, I I want to know what love is. And there is like 571 million posts simply about that word. Now, what does this tell me? Well, countries have been won and lost over love. So this famous song by Foreigner went on for pages and pages and pages. I mean, what an inspired song. What a pain-filled song. We also have that, that other famous song by that band called Nazareth. It says, love hurts. And so when we look at this song by Foreigner, I thought it was fascinating because this is what he says. In my life, there's been heartache and pain. I don't know if I can face it again. 
I can't stop now. I've traveled so far to change this lonely life. I'm going to take a little time, a little time to look around me. I've got nowhere left to hide. It looks like love has finally found me. I mean, these are very powerful lyrics. Because he says in his life there's been heartache and pain. He doesn't know if he can face it again, but he can't stop now. He's got to change this lonely life. And so he's going to take a little time. And this is one of the things that I'm constantly telling my clients. That the world we live in, the technology-crazed world we live in, is going so quickly. But humans don't. And we get confused. We think that because we can do technology quickly and intellectually we can do things that quickly, we think that the rest of us catches up with that. That's not how humans are hardwired. And there's this really famous book called The Three Mile an Hour God. And really what it talks about is Jesus walked everywhere he went. And humans walk about three miles an hour, 3.5 miles an hour, 3 to 3.5. That's the pace of humans. So think how opposite our pace is to what comes naturally to us. So we have this tendency as humans that we think that no matter how much we've been hurt, that we're never going to try it again. But you know what we do? We always try again. You know, I have clients tell me, I'm never doing relationships again. I'm done. It's over. I'm never doing it. And they say to me, it's stupid. It's stupid for me to try again. And I tell them, I say, it's not stupid. It's not stupid to try again. It's human. It's not stupid to continue to try with your spouse. It's human. It's the human part of us that God has made. It's the God-inspired humanity in us that continues to try. So we are not to quit. We are made in the image of God, and he is always trying. He has never stopped loving, and he never quits. So isn't it comforting that God never stops trying? He never stops loving. So again, we like this song. We're going to take a little time. We're going to take a little time and think things over. We're going to figure it out. We're going to start again. And so it may be that you start in a brand new relationship again. It may be that the relationship you were in previously, whatever the ingredients were or whatever ingredients were lacking, the relationship failed. And so you're going to try again. You're going to take a little time. You're going to try again. It may be that you're in a current relationship that you are highly committed to, and so you may need to take a little time and go back and try again. Now, I want to caution you. When you take a little time, when you're in the midst of a relationship, you have to be very careful that you don't get passive-aggressive, that you don't get withdrawing, with, withholding, you know, resentment, you know, kind of like sets in. So it's okay to take a little time and tell your spouse, I need a little time. I'm a little hurt. I'm offended. I'm upset. I need a little time before I reconnect. I'm going to do everything I can to not punish you for it, but I do need a little time. And then we're going to go back in. We're going to take time to heal. So we're coming to the end of this segment, and I want to tell you this chorus of this song. And I want you to think about our heart cry to God. And it says, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. And we can take that with God. We can say to God, I really want to know what love is. Everything I've experienced, I don't think it is. And if it is, I don't want it. So we might want to say to God, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me what love truly is. 
and I want to feel it. And I'm going to trust and believe that you can show me. So this is our, this is our, our edict for today. This is our, our goal for today. That we are going to really take Valentine's Day and we are going to really find true love. So we're coming to the end of this. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so thankful that you joined me today. We have three more segments for the rest of this hour. So I really want to encourage you to come back after the commercial break. You can always find me on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, on Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. And I look forward to talking to you in the next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt. I'm so glad you joined me today. This is our Valentine's Day show, and it is called I Want to Know What Love Is. And so we are talking about the difference between just this love that the media tells us is and the way we talk about it as friends and how we describe it, what we read about, and what true love really is. And this idea that true love is not always comfortable True love many times has pain involved. It, however, does have intensity and pleasure. It should. And it does have a ton of passion. And that's what true love is. And we, we talked about in the very beginning of this show that true love never fails. And this idea that, you know, all of us can say, oh, whatever. It's failed me. I, I, I have seen love fail. Well, what we want to think about is, The idea of true love never failing, the reason that God can say it never fails is because when it is based in truth, his truth, and and it's infused with his love flowing through us, true love does not fail. Now, whether or not that human on the other end wants to receive it, is willing to incorporate it, is willing to be changed by it, that we have no control over. So just because the other person doesn't receive it, we know that many people will not be with Christ in heaven because they won't receive that love. That doesn't mean that Jesus failed. And so it's imperative that we make this distinction that when we are loving people, that we recognize our responsibility is to love them well. It is not our responsibility to make them receive it or make them respond to it. And it is very sad when we have people that don't respond. But what we do is we keep going back to where true love is, which is our Lord, our Savior, God, and really get the true love from him that we are very able then to pass on to others. And so we were talking about this song by Foreigner. And I know I'm dating myself, but it's, you know, still quite a very popular song. And the, the lyrics of this, the, the chorus says, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. This is at the heart of humans. Humans love. They, they just, we are hardwired to do that. We love things. We've had, we, you know, we talked about in one of our um, shows before about relationships and that we are just hardwired to love and be in relationship. We even do it with inanimate objects. You know, we love our car and we're sad when it, when it wrecks. We, we may love uh, um, any of the other things we have. We love our pets. We love our house. We might love a, a, a football team. So we are just hardwired to attach and relate 
and to express love and to receive love. And so I picked another song that is that is very a very painful song, but it really, I think, expresses how we as humans feel when it comes to love. And I'm sure this is probably how Jesus felt as well. And this song is by Nazareth. And this is what he experienced, this, this, uh, this person that's writing this song. And I would imagine that this really encapsulates what, what Christ must have been feeling when he came to earth. And it says, love hurts, love scars, love wounds and marks. Any heart not tough or strong enough to take a lot of pain. Take a lot of pain. Love is like a cloud, holds a lot of rain. Love hurts. And so I think what's important for us today is to realize that love, love can't hurt. And if love is done dysfunctionally, it really hurts. And it produces no life from it. When love is done in a healthy manner, there may be some hurt involved, but there is always life that comes from it. And so we as Christians want to be substantive people. We want to be people of depth that understand that love is not an either-or thing. It's not, well, love hurts, and that's all there is to love. Or love is intensely pleasurable, happy, joyful, wonderful, exhilarating, and, and inflating. We want to understand that as, as healthy people, it's both. Both of those can be happening. It, people, you know, I'm constantly telling clients and, and you all listeners that, that humans are a risk. They are a gamble. And when we risk on humans, we are risking the fact that we may hurt. We are also risking that we may win really big. And God is risking on us, and he knows that he's going to get hurt when he interacts with humans. So what we want to work on is being a human that is a good risk. We want to become healthy people that cause us to not be a huge risk when people are loving us that they don't have to work so hard at loving us, that they don't have to take so much from God to say, loving this person is killing me, God, you have to help me. Now, certainly, we ask God for help all the time in loving people, so we do it well. But we don't want to be the person that everybody has to overcome. We don't want to be the person in someone's life that somebody is always having to overcome hurt or upset or insult or feeling incited every time they interact with us. Now, we are going to hurt one another because we're human. And we are going to force and cause each other to grow when we are in relationship, if we so choose to go through that process and stay together. And so what we want to see is that in sacrifice, change occurs. When we are willing to fearfully face ourselves in order to love well. When we are willing to endure pain that produces gain. And oftentimes, dysfunctional abusive relationships only produce pain that is in vain. And we have to make the distinction when we are in relationship, and sometimes that takes professional help, to realize, am I in a relationship that all the pain is in vain, there is no growth, there is no change, no no one's faith is increasing, or am I in a relationship that has high dysfunctionality, but the pain is for gain, there is growth, and there is new life that's coming in it. And it may be that for a time, you're the only one that's growing. So it's imperative that we understand the difference, that I really understand I can allow pain to strengthen me, deepen me, cause me to be a more humble person. I can allow pain to cause me to be a person that loves with more resiliency and authenticity. Or I can just be the person 
that because of pain becomes more skeptical, cynical, jaded, more dysfunctional, more defensive. So what we want to understand is that we want to know the difference between functional and healthy relationships that create pain and hurt and wound and mark, but the pain is the difference between growing pains and just being brutalized. So how do we know the difference? Well, we're going to end this segment with this wonderful uh, quote by Shakespeare that I love. And he says, love all, trust few, and do wrong to none. And I think that's a great way to live. That I love everybody. That doesn't mean I have intimacy with everyone. I trust few of them because trust with humans, that is a process. Trust with God is immediate because he deserves our trust. And then the third one is we're to do wrong to no one. So I really practice loving all, however that may look, trusting few, because that's an earned, earned issue, and doing wrong to none. And I want you to understand when it comes to humans, and, and certainly our Lord, this is how everyone deserves love, but not everyone deserves trust, because trust and intimacy is earned. So with my clients, I earn their trust. Every time they interact with me, I earn their trust. With my husband, I earn his trust on a daily basis. If I break trust, I fix it as fast as I can because trust is earned. Intimacy and trust is an earned issue in relationship. Love is freely given because humans deserve love. So as we come to the end of this part of the show, I want to encourage you to listen to the second half. If you don't get to hear all of it in its entirety, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and there are all the podcasts. You can download it also from iTunes, and you can listen to it at, at that point. So join me at CynthiaHyatt.com, on Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and today's show is I Want to Know What Love Is. So what do you think love is? I mean, seriously, if you're listening to this show or maybe you're reading this in a mini book, I want you to ask yourself, what is love to you? What does love mean to you? What makes sense to you? What does it feel like to you? You see, everyone is unique. And, and we, of course, as humans, there are many human generalities about what love is. But what makes us feel truly loved is very unique to us. And this is why people are so amazed when they find that one person that works for them. I mean, there are billions of people on the planet. So if it weren't an issue of originality and uniqueness, it would be easy to find someone that works. But instead, it feels like a miracle when you find that one person. So no matter how much they try to quantify, measure, analyze how and why people fall in love, there are elements that are just indefinable, undefinable. And so I believe it, it is the element of uniqueness. It's that one-time originally occurring person finding the person where all the dots and points connect. This is truly not easy. It is truly a miracle. This is why God is so amazing, because he can be all things to all people. He is so substantive, so everything, so are all in all that he works for everyone. He gets the part of you that no one else gets. It's because he made you for him. He knows you and he really likes you. The most amazing feeling for people is to be loved and liked at the same time. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You can love a lot of people you don't like. But when you love the person and you like them as well, 
It's amazing. It's quite intoxicating. It's very healing and affirming. So what we're going to look at is we're going to, we're going to take a moment, we're going to look at the inverse. So for you, what is not love? For example, those people you've been in relationship with or are currently in relationship with, and they tell you they love you, and you want to say to them, then please stop loving me. Please stop. Because if that's what love is, please stop doing it. It's hurting me too much. And so what do you think love isn't? Well, apathy, indulgence, passivity, reckless freedom, which leads to bondage. Or how about enabling, dishonesty, shaming, blaming, guilting, controlling? How about those, those uh, tendencies we have emotionally in terms of how we react and relate to one another? Those things like smirking, rolling our eyes, you know, like um, the way we breathe, or like glancing at somebody and giving them that dirty look, or mocking them, or acting like we're making fun of them when we're really being derisive. These are things that are absolutely relationship killers. And, and I have another show, if you want to look at the podcast, that says top relationship killers. So a day on my job is all about love or the lack of love. My job is because of the need for love and the lack of it. So I have an example of one day. I, I was on Amber May's show. It's a radio show. And I was talking about suicide. And it was all about people feeling unlovable, unseen, unappreciated, unnoticed, and afraid to love again. Abused but mostly disconnected from themselves and others. Just as we see the seriousness of being disconnected from self, and this is seen on Calvary, when Jesus was truly disconnected from God, it killed him. See, healthy relationship with self is imperative for an authentic living and the ability to truly love. So we always want to think that love is outside of us, and if we go find it, then we're going to feel loved. When in actuality... The healthy relationship, the ability to truly love and recognize true love, starts with me. Any successful relationship with someone else has a great majority to do with how I relate to me. Because I will bring that to my relationships, and I will tell you, your issues will expose you. They always do. And so any successful relationship or with, uh, with the self and with others begins with God. So if I say to God, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel it. And I want you. I know you can show me. Then what we find is that the only way we can know what love is, is if we know the one who is love. And as we said, we don't even know when pain is love. We may think it's painful and abusive when it isn't. And we may think that it feels good simply because it's intensely pleasurable. And we think that's true love. So what I do know is that true human love is not perfect. But true human love is enduring. Think about the love of a parent or the friend that sticks closer than a brother, a spouse that loves in richer or poorer for sickness and in health. Think about the amazing love of God and how he turns bad things into good things. He doesn't make a bad thing good, but he overcomes bad with good. He's enduring, committed, and truly loves the people that he died for. And so we always want to remember that God never gives anyone something that is an impossibility because he's the God of the impossible. He always offers a way out. He always offers a way to do it right. He always offers a way to love. And so this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We are almost done, so I don't want you to miss the last part of the show. 
Always find me on uh, Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's INC for Incorporated, CynthiaHyatt.com. Well, thank you for joining me today on Valentine's Day. And this show is I Want to Know What Love Is. And this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. So I'm so glad that you joined me. And if you're just tuning in, I want to encourage you that if you have not heard this show, if you're just tuning in, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And there are all the podcasts there as well. So you can listen to the show in its entirety. So I, want, I, I looked up how many, how many times does the word appear in the Bible? And this is using 17 different versions and, you know, including all the ones that, you know, I love and this, it, and, and what, it, all the different ways that it says the word love and loves and loved ones and, you know, but not like didn't include loving kindness. So there's an average of like 588.7 times. So this doesn't include the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, you might include like 100 more to the average so it, it really depends on the translation, but there's, all, all there is to say is that there is this many times, the word is listed so many times in the Bible. And this whole idea that, that there are different ways of saying love, that they can't even count really truly all the different times it's offered, because there are also ways that offered love as it's described, and so that really can't be counted, because maybe the love, word love isn't used. But the Bible is... A book of love. That's what it is. It's God's love story, and it's his love letter to us. So if you contrast Google the word love, now this was, this may not be current in terms of it, but it's 1.4 billion just for that one word. This is how much people need love and want to know about love. So I want you to give you three Bible verses about love that I picked. And there are so many, like I said. So Romans 12 in the NIV version, it says, this is Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. So as we are a living sacrifice, as we are loving the way God loves, he is saying, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means that every day I interact with God, I have a new way of, of viewing the world, seeing the world, interacting with the world, and knowing how to truly love. And in verse 3, as it goes farther in this chapter, this is the humble service in the body of Christ. It says, for by grace... Given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God, which he has distributed to each of you. For each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we through many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of you. And it goes on to talk about that we do this diligently, that we give generously, we show mercy, and we do it cheerfully. And in verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another about yourselves. 
never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And it goes on to say, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. Thirsty, give them something to drink. And many times we want to understand that our enemy can be our closest friend. Our enemy can feel like our family. Our enemy can be our spouse. And it is up to us to practice really good boundaries to say, God, I just need to do my side of the street well. I can't do anything to change them. If, if change will happen, it is because they receive the love I am willing to give them. And I'm going to continue to do that, God, until you give me something otherwise. And so what we want to ask ourselves on the receiving end is, is this person changing me by the way they are loving me? Am I allowing change to occur? Am I becoming a person of more depth? Am I becoming a person of more grace? Am I becoming more merciful? Am I becoming more honest? Am I having more tolerance, more endurance for individuals? And if not, I have to ask myself, is that because of me? Or is it because of the way they're loving me? And if it's because of the way they're loving me, I may need to use my voice and speak up and say, this hurts me. Because that's what growth is about. That's what God asks us to do in relationship with him. We talk to him about how we feel. He talks to us about how he feels. So we're going to kind of go through this next segment and kind of quickly because we have three different types of love that we deal with. And the first one is agape love. And this is, agape is often translated love in the New Testament. It, it, is, it is different from other types of love. It's the essence of self-sacrifice. And I want you to understand these three types of love as they relate to your relationships with people. And if you want to do this in your uh, most intimate romantic relationship, it helps tremendously. Because in my most intimate romantic relationship, I still need to practice agape love. It isn't just the eros pleasurable love. So the essence of agape is self-sacrifice. And agape is not used in the Bible to refer to romantic or sexual love. It doesn't mean a close friendship or brotherly love. It simply means charity. And so agape love is a unique and is distinguished by its nature and character. Agape love is that which is from God. It's the very nature of love itself. It's not merely love. It's love itself. Everything God does flows from his love, which is agape. It is important to remember that God's love is not sappy, sentimental. It's, it's his nature. He loves the unlovable and unlovely. So when I am in a romantic relationship, there are many times I have to practice agape love with my husband. Now I think he has to practice it more often with me than I do with him. But there are times when I'm simply loving him because he deserves to be loved, not because I'm attracted to him at the moment, not because I'm feeling friendly with him like he's my best friend and my confidant, but because he is a human and he deserves love. And I give him love because that is agape love. The more I'm willing to practice agape love as the foundation of our relationship, the better my relationship works. So this is the true nature of love. And this is what God displayed on the cross most clearly. He died for the unworthy creatures who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's Ephesians 2.1. And he did it not because we deserved any of it. He did it 
when we were still sinners and didn't even know him, and that's Romans 5.8. So the object of agape love never does anything to merit his love. We are undeserving recipients. So when my husband is loving me with agape love, it's simply, it's very undeserving on my part. I don't deserve it at all. He's not even doing it as, as, a, as a response like, wow, I love, you love me, so I love you back. He's loving me because that's the nature of love, and that is God in him. We also see this in the Good Samaritan and how the Good Samaritan acted. So the second one is, what is phileo love? Well, this is the, a second Greek word, and it forms part of the words philosophy or love of wisdom or philanthropy, love of fellow man. So this word speaks more like warm affection. It's shared between family or friends, whereas eros, that's the erotic love, is more associated with the libido. So it's, it's more associated with, with sexual, romantic, passionate love. So phileo love can be more associated with emotions. It's the heart. It's metaphorically, metaphorically speaking. So we feel love for our friends and family. It's obviously not eros love, but the love motivates us to want to treat them kindly and help them succeed. So when we start with agape love, which is the foundation, the platform of love undeserving, and then we add phileo love to that, that I have warm affection for you. I just like you, and I want you to be okay, and I, I want you to enjoy being with me. This is, this is um, love toward, this is not something that we give toward people that we dislike or that we hate, okay? We can't practice phileo love with our enemy. We practice agape love with our enemy. So when we connect agape love with phileo love, so I have a foundation of love undeserved, and I add to it friendship, companionship, um, coming alongside, enjoying that person. Then we have the third one that is added to a romantic, passionate relationship, and that is eros love. And unlike English, in which the word love means many different things, the Greek uses these three words to describe the range of meaning of our word love. So this word eros comes from the word erotic and is used to express sexual love or feelings of arousal that are shared between people who are physically attracted to one another. So I want you to understand the power of this awareness. If I start with eros love and I try to work my way back, it is disastrous because I'm telling you the truth. You can feel erotic feelings for a whole bunch of people you're not going to like. You're gonna, you can feel erotic feelings for a whole bunch of people you have no respect for. You can feel erotic feelings for people that you're afraid of. So erotic feelings do not constitute true love. Erotic feelings need to come from true love, which is agape in nature, coupled with phileo love, which is friendship, affection, commitment, long-suffering. And you add the sexual erotic part of it and you get a relationship that can last a lifetime. And so our world does these things backwards. Our world starts with erotic love, and it thinks that all the ones will naturally occur. And it's a disaster. And it's very painful. And this is when we start to say love hurts. It scars. It wounds. It mars. I don't, I don't even want it anymore. So it's imperative that we understand when God is talking about love never fails. He is talking about, first and foremost, agape love never fails. It never fails, God. Now, whether or not people will receive it, that is not, that is not something that he chooses to control. What he does with the second part is he says, not only do I love you even though you're undeserving, I want to be friends with you. 
And so we get that wonderful, wonderful commitment, that wonderful sense of affection from God, that belonging, that sense of belonging and friendship, companionship with God. And so then we get to feel the passion of God, that, we're his, that he loves us. We're his sweetheart. Now, I don't want you to, please don't take that out and confuse it with erotic feelings. Like, please don't tell people I'm saying that on the air. What I'm wanting you to understand is how God plays all three of these out, how he sees that between humans, between men and women, and why marriage is so enduring when it has these three types of love. So I hope this has been helpful for you today. And I want, I want you to, to hear some of these verses that talk about how God feels toward us. And Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us when we are still sinners. Christ died for us. This is agape love. Agape love is also 1 Corinthians, where it says love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. So I want to encourage you to understand this is how God loves you. This is how Christ feels towards you. This is how God wants you to feel towards yourself. And in doing that, you can walk that out with others. And hopefully overcome the hurts, the wounds, the fears, the upsets, the defensiveness that they have going on inside of themselves. And I encourage you to pray for those in your life. The, The love that you are extending toward them has that effect. And that you continuously ask God, how can I do that love better? And not be conformed to the pattern of the world which quits and which says, forget it, it doesn't work, I'm not doing it anymore. So I hope this was helpful for you today. I so appreciate you listening. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And love never fails. And I pray the love of Christ extends to you this week and you feel it in a very special way. Join me again next week. Visit me on Cynthia Hyatt. Uh, dot com and Cynthia Hyatt INC on Facebook. This past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, You can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.